to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home. Live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Is it appropriate to still say, Happy New Year? I feel like I'm still saying it to everybody especially if I haven't seen him. And the last show that we had was on New Year's Day. It's great to be with you, no matter what time of the year it is. And it's a great time to really, I don't know, it's just something about moving ahead into a new year that makes you want to, um, I don't know, see things with fresh eyes, get new ideas, make bold uh, statements for yourself and and commitments to different things and decisions. Uh, my guest today is somebody who is talking about Healing from the inside out, really, truly, authentically loving yourself. Her name is Birgitta Visser, and she is a soul empowerment coach. Yes, there's coaches for so many things, but there's also one for soul empowerment. And she's written a book, Becoming Authentically Me. We'll be talking with Birgitta in just a moment. Very grateful at the beginning of the year in the middle of the year and the end of the year, all year long for balance of nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. This is a product that thankfully I have finally disciplined myself to make sure that I take every single day. I take six and six, six of the vegetables and six of the fruits. Um, that gives me 20 servings of fruits and vegetables per day. And it might sound a lot to some people, but there is no overdosing on fruits and vegetables. Can't be done. Dr. Howard, who formulated Balance of Nature and chose the vegetables and fruits to go one, one together um, in concert with each other, he said, no, you can eat as many as you like. If a two-year-old were to eat an entire bottle of the fruits, they would be great and fine and healthy, and you just have to buy another bottle. That's what he says. And so you can't get enough of that good nutrition. So I'm very grateful to Balance of Nature that they found a way to get it through this cold vacuum process to get all those fruits and vegetables into those capsules and yet uh, leave you in a, in a way that you don't have to go through all the chopping, all the buying, all the uh, hoping that they don't go bad in the refrigerator or out in the bowls. It's truly the only way that I have found to get the right number of fruits and vegetables into my diet and my system. You can do the same thing. I know a lot of you are committing to good health and better nutrition for yourselves, for your body, mind, and spirit. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are the way that I have found to do it. My family has as well, and it's just been a true part of my my daily life for over 12 years now. You can easily get them yourself by going to balanceofnature.com. You can't get them anywhere else. Balanceofnature.com. And when you do, make sure you put my name into the promo code. It's Laura, L-A-U-R-A. And that way you're going to get 35% off your first preferred order and free shipping. And you also uh, will get a health coach, someone that you can call any time of the day and find out if you're doing it right, if there's something else you need to know, if you have any questions whatsoever, those health coaches are so wonderful and they're waiting at the ready at Balance of Nature. It's an incredible uh, way that they do things there because if you get on the program of getting the fruits and vegetables every month, you get the health coach for free. And I'll tell you, it is a wonderful, wonderful resource to have them. Balanceofnature.com is the website. The phone number is easy, 800 800- Two four six eight seven five one eight hundred two four six eight seven fifty one, and however you order, whether it's over the phone or online, you make sure you put Laura into the promo code. That way, they'll know that you heard it here. You'll get your thirty five percent off 
and free shipping. When we come back, Brigitte Visser, on the way home. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I know we take this time of the year normally to kind of regroup. That's on all different levels, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, career-wise, family-wise, all sorts of goals, resolutions, and things like that. But I think what we are really on a quest for is a way to becoming more authentically who we are as human beings. And that's a little bit of a different quest because it, I think, takes some different tools to get there. I have a wonderful person here today who has a great book who's going to help us do just that and give us some great guidelines. Brigitte Visser is here. She's from somewhere in England right now. And she is what is known as a soul empowerment coach. She's written a book called Becoming authentically me. And so we are grateful to have you with us across the pond and into the new year. Thanks for coming on, Brigida. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. And happy new year, by the way. Happy new year to you too. I found that this was the first year I went through some personal trials. My beautiful father passed away just three weeks before um, two weeks before Christmas, actually. And uh, so that it seemed to sort of change my focus on just about everything this year. So when New Year's rolled around and I had my annual party at my house, I, I went through that and got through that and it was wonderful. But I really found that for the first time I have in my adult life, I haven't sat down and really thought about what I want to become in the new year because it's just been so fraught with things that are difficult um, in the past month or so. But I do know that unless I do that, it, it, it the year will get away from me and I won't have really gone inward enough to think about what it is I truly want and truly want to become. You have written truly the book on becoming your authentic self. And tell me about, A, what it means to be a, a soul empowerment coach and how that could help us uh, maybe find our authentic selves. So sorry to hear about your father. Thank you. Um so becoming your authentic self, and I, th- I think, you know, the last couple of years have been very much uh, a reflective, I call it a, a transformational time and a re- reflective period for many people. And it's made them think about life, you know, because we're so caught up in that red race of life of paying our bills, you know, working and paying our bills that we deviate away from ourselves, right? It's like playing hide and seek with ourselves. And when we talk about becoming our authentic selves, and I know this word has been thrown a lot, thrown around a lot in the last couple of years, and people think, yeah, well, what does it mean to become your authentic self? And it's really about rather than living a mind-centered life, it's returning to a heart space-centered life. There's a big difference. Right, because we ingest everything within, we ingest everything with our mind. So what we feed our mind is how we shape our reality. And the key is when you live a heart centered life, it's you look at things from a different perspective. And when we talk about that inward journey, as you just said, that is really about reflecting within yourself and healing um, what has 
what what still what still needs to be healed and we always attract the people right and in my case it's been very toxic my whole life's been you know a toxic ride um but i wouldn't have it any other way i mean the challenges that i've been through but it's it's traveling inward and once you travel inward and you heal the trauma within your outlook on life will change because we are all energy and people often forget that they think we're this you know this blob of an organ or an, an organism right we're just this body but we're actually the soul within this body and we are divine alchemists and people are like yeah but what what does that what does that even mean it means that you create your reality according to what you feed your mind you know and that's re- that's it so it really truly is an inside game much more than yes. when we think of coaches we often think of well sports coaches or maybe a um like a, a, a coach for helping us do one-on-one physical training or something like that. Now, at least we've gotten into the phase where we understand a bit more about having a life coach, somebody that can help us kind of get our goals going. But this inner work, this soul work is often, I think a lot of people maybe are um, a, a little more reticent on it because as you said, sometimes when you go inward, you do have to face those difficult things. I know even just from what I went through with losing my dad, Thinking about him sometimes brings great joy. Other times it brings me sadness to think he's not here. So then I'll deflect and I'll start thinking of something else and run around and start doing a bunch of tasks and things like that um, to, to sort of avoid feeling those feelings. Um, so, yeah. So but but if you have someone working with you, sort of basically walking you through things, um, I think it would be really wonderful to have someone like you to do that with. And, you know, it's good to feel when we when we feel rather than deflecting right it's we have to reflect so when you feel the need to cry or you feel the need to talk about your dad or even talk to your dad because your dad is listening he's always there he really is always there um and he will hear you and sometimes what they do what spirit does and i noticed from my step my stepdad not my my dad is you know he passed in 1988 when i was 14 but my stepdad he's sometimes around and i will smell all of a sudden i'll smell smoke in the house because he used to smoke cigarettes and it's like john what do you want or it's my grandma and i smell the lavender and i'm like grandma what are you doing here you know mm-hmm. and you become more aware of these things or you'll find pennies um or it's it's a song will pop on the radio or you'll find something or a book will drop. It's these little signs and these little signs to tell you that, you know, like in your instance, like and you'll see the signs. It's like they're telling us they're OK up there and they want you to be OK. Right. That's what I'm feeling as well. But it, it's hard sometimes because you, you go mm. through things that and I know that um you have talked about in your writings, you know, you you went through trauma yourself as a child and yeah. to overcome and then later at becoming a model and mm-hmm. everything you went through in the industry. And, and you have to really deal with these 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 personal things while I, while still maintaining a regular life. Like you said, we do still have to pay the bills. We still have to make dinner. We still have to get together with our families and things like that. So it's not like. Um, one one is mutually exclusive to the other. You're like deeply authentic or you're being a real person and getting things done. So 
how do you integrate this? So I know what some of the things that you use are, are sound bowls and, and things like that. Tell us some of the different modalities you use to get people to go inward and feel safe. So I actually use light language and the sound bowls. And every time I do my light language healing, and people are like, what's light language healing? Well, I always say it's like gerbil language. So it's, I can do demo if you want. Um, and it's, I call it the galactic energies. And it's so powerful because what, it, what I say, you won't understand on a conscious level, but you don't need to understand it on a conscious level. Your soul understands it. And that's the main thing. So when it speaks to your soul, that's when it's, you know, it, you start to heal. It's such powerful healing. I've had people, you know, come back to me and, and they're like, one of one person, she said to me, you know, I had to go into hospital the next day and I had surgery. And she's like, I was so scared, but you did the light language session. And she's like, my fear had just dissipated. I had no issues going into hospital the next day. That's wonderful. You know, isn't it, We they talk a lot about, I know A Course in Miracles talks a lot about, there's only two emotions or two reality, and one is fear and one is love. But fear really is a terrible thing because it really, I mean, in some senses, if it helps to save you, if you're fearful of something and therefore you take caution or warning in that sense. But other than that, fear is just one of those emotions that seems to really block our sense of wellness and 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 being. And so, um, so this, this idea of really being able to heal very much in the inner workings of oneself. How does sound healing work? Because I've, I've heard people use those sound bowls and it truly is a remarkable thing when, when you hear them. It just like, it, it goes so deeply into you. How is it healing though? What is the, is there a science behind it? So I have, alchemy healing bowls i've caught you have the the crystal healing bowls i don't have those i have the cosmic healing bowls and the alchemy healing bowls so they are all they're all 432 hertz and that alleviates the stress but it all depends on how you play the bowls um because bowls have consciousness too so i have one that's for the throat and uh, that's really Archangel Michael. Then I have a green one, which is the Cosmic Heart, which is Archangel Raphael. And then I have the Laughing Buddha. And the Laughing Buddha is a stubborn one. Um, but I don't play them loud because they will, it, it's the toning. And the toning is what, as, as my guides always say, it's the toning that jolts the cells within your, within your body, within your DNA. And, Again, you don't have to understand it. I mean, it's very, when you hear the, you know, the sound of bowls, you get into a state of deep, it's kind of deep relaxation. And when I combine that with light language, that's a double whammy, as I call it, because it's double as powerful. And, um, I've had somebody here, uh, several weeks ago and she was terribly depressed, bless her cotton socks. And because she's in a very difficult relationship, but she's made that choice to stay with him, but she's working on herself. So she's healing. And so she was, I had a session with her for like an hour and it was the strange, she said it was the strangest thing because I saw her hands move and she's like, but I wasn't moving them. He's like, I felt them move, but I wasn't moving them. And, um, 
she left and she said I, I she was just speechless and two days later she just said to me she's like it was so so powerful because because it gave me so much more clarity and she's like I was really in a funk and I think that is just so so important the other thing and I do want to touch on that because you were talking about fear and love right these are you know we live in a world of duality of polarities so fear is as Saint Germain, the Ascended Master Saint Germain, because I work a lot with him, he always says, fear is the Darth Vader to your Jedi, right? Because fear is an illusion. It's created within the mind because we get bombarded with, with things from like the, you know, the media, TV, basically everything, everything, um, we get bombarded with, um, and love is why we're here. We're here to return to a love for ourselves and others. And that's that heart-centered life. Ah. You, you, your voice even has a calming effect because I'm, I'm listening to it and, and just it's how important it is to be able to come down to that place where you can just literally stop that, that mind, that monkey mind, they call it in some yeah. traditions, and to really just get back to your soul. Um, tell us about Becoming Authentically Me, the book, and um, what your main message in it is and where people can find it. Yeah, so the book Becoming Authentically Me, well, I, I started writing that in uh, 2000, to be honest. And I had to go through many, many life experiences because, you know, I was abused as a child. And it's when you don't resolve your issues, your trauma, it's one bit of trauma creates another bit of trauma. And so it took me years because I just created more and more trauma and I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders. And even in the modeling industry, I was abused. I was bullied as a kid at school. So I talk about that very openly. I talk about the fact that I used drugs, nearly killed myself after my stepdad had passed away. I talk about the fact that my dad passed away and that was very difficult. Um, I was also bullied in the workplace. I had toxic relationships. And I will say something, and I, I talk about this in my book as well, about forgiveness, um, about taking accountability for your life, for whatever you go through. It doesn't matter what you go through because your experiences are not here to taunt you. They're here to expand your awareness and for you to understand life. So there is a lot that I, I also talk about depression because I even, I suffered from depression, even though I didn't take medication, but I was in a deep, I was in a deep hole. Um, and my ex was in bed with the Crips in Holland and I had my life threatened and I even, you know, tried to take my own life, a very lame attempt on my own life, but that wasn't the way forward. So I talk about my healing journey and all the healing modalities I studied because I really had to walk that journey inward. And when you ask your guides for help or the, the archangels, the ascended masters, whatever you believe in, then not, you have to understand people always say, well, I'm going to pray because I want to have a better life. But you need to heal yourself first before you before you can understand, you know, I always say you have to heal yourself first, understand your experiences, 
before you can walk that journey to having a better life. You need to alchemize your experiences. Um, I also talk very much about mental health um, because that is such a big issue issue right now, um, especially with the youth. Um, it's not like, you know, I grew up in the 1980s where life was so vastly, vastly different. But people have this, people judge one another. And I think that's a lot about the ego as well. Um, and it, I've had to learn this as well because I walked around with so much shame, with anxiety, with fear. Um, I, I used to starve myself. I was a pro at that, of not eating, even though I worked my socks off because that is something, that was something I could control. And, um, yeah, so for me, it took me many, many years to overcome that. And I just want people to understand that there is always light at the end of the tunnel. I don't care how dark it is, right? If you take that responsibility for all of your experiences and you say, you know what? I want to improve my life and do something different every single day. It's to I call that it's unlearning the learned, everything that you've learned and reprogramming yourself, getting rid of that conditioning. Now, I live a life without shame, without fear, because I, I mean, I've been trampled upon. I've been kicked around, so to speak, you know, and I always allowed people, well, the words that they said, I allowed them to hurt me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why? Why? It doesn't matter what people think of you. It matters what you think of you and how you feel about yourself. And when people say you're rotten or they, they say mean things about you, it says more about them and how they feel about themselves than it says about you. Because we're all reflections of one another. We're all teachers of one another. And we're all just here to walk one another back home. You know, people think that we're separate. Really? Actually, no, we're not. We're one. And it's just, yeah, our physical appearance may be different, but the light within our soul is the same as everyone on this planet. Mm -hmm. Yes. These are, you know, universal truths that almost every healing modality, almost every traditional teaching and non-traditional teaching of spirituality teach us. One thing is learning it. Another thing is living it and practicing it, which is often the decision that's hardest to make, because I'm sure it would have been so much easier with everything that you went through. You, you're talking about a lot of different types of trauma there as a child mm -hmm. and then even as an adult. Um, it, in, in some instances, some would say it's, it's easier just to let it overtake you and just say sayonara and, you know, leave. Yeah. But obviously that's never the answer. Um, and if we can just hang in there and also reach out. So you offer coaching, soul empowerment coaching. So when you were trying to, making the decision that you wanted to live and you wanted to live happily did you have anyone helping you or did, was it something that you did was it all self-discovery yeah it was self-discovery for me um and it was hard but i i i'm so thankful i have my mom is a very very strong personality and 
she, I mean, she went through her own trauma in, in her own childhood. And, you know, she's very, very resilient. So I have that from her. So I would never sit, you know, I would never bow down to defeat. That wasn't me. So I did soldier on regardless of what happened to me. Oh, my goodness, Laura, I even sold my home in St. Pete in Florida just to get away from an ex who just harassed me. And I loved that home. And I felt like such an immense failure that I bought another home, which was a money pit. But these, you know, I had to learn this. And so every time that I went in for healing or I wanted to study a healing modality was a return to myself. And it just, it took many, many years. And that's okay. But I will say this. I love the meditations from David G. And you can listen to them on YouTube. And they're like 20 minutes. And I always say to people, just plug them in your ears and start, you know, plug plug them in your ears and listen to these 20 minute meditations. They're guided meditations, but they're so powerful. They will make you return to, you know, recent, it's like recentering yourself and having more clarity. And that's a great way to start. It is a great way to start. And I think reading your book, Becoming Authentically Me, is a great start for maybe someone who's hearing this right now and feels that they are going through so much and would like to see a path out. And indeed, they can also do you work um, with people either uh, remotely via Zoom or anything like that? Or yeah. or do yes, you not I do. do that? I do. do. I, I okay. do. I do. I do. I'm in. So, the, I'm actually in the midst of writing my second book, which is about India. <laughs> so... Okay. Well, you'll have to come back on when you finish the book. But I so appreciate it. Brigitte Visser is my guest. Her last name is V-I-S-S-E-R. Her book is Becoming Authentically Me. She is a soul empowerment coach, which means she is available to you. I Tell us your website. I believe it's soul empowerment or something. Well, it's powersoulhealing.com. Sorry, got it back to front. Power Soul Healing. Dot com power soul healing dot com you can see everything that Brigida offers and um, hopefully you won't feel alone in your journey to your own wellness and being your best self Brigida thank you so much for joining us today and for your wonderful words of wisdom empowerment and healing thank you thank you so much Laura can I say one more thing please yeah so for anybody out there that doesn't feel love, right? Just know that even though I don't know you on on a conscience on a, on a conscience level, um, I and I'll know you on a soul level. Just know that I love you. Ah, thank you, thank you. You are loved. That's the message. Brigitte is her. You're listening to the way home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, they called it the greatest generation for very good reason. And there is a museum that reflects it. It's the national America's National World War II Museum in New Orleans. And guess what? They have a new exhibit that sounds so incredibly inspiring and exciting. We have the museum president with us today. He's also the CEO, Stephen Watson of America's National World War II Museum. 
Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm so excited to hear all about this. Uh, thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes. So I I didn't realize that the World War II Museum in New Orleans is like number eighth in terms of attractions in the entire country. I mean, it's a really special place. But tell us all about this new one of a kind nighttime light and sound experience called Expressions of America. I, I'm. It sounds absolutely exhilarating. It, it is. So, um, you know, Expressions of America, we think, is a, a unique experience. It is, as you said, an outdoor uh, nighttime sound and light show um, with projections as, as, as tall as 90 feet um, on the facades of our campus. Um, so you will be immersed in the music, the imagery, the footage, but really, most importantly, uh, the stories of ordinary people who did some really extraordinary things uh, during the war. So it's this big, visually stunning show, yet it's very personal, it's very poignant, and it's a real window into the American spirit and what it was like to have lived through that time. It really sounds unique and and incredible. And it's hosted by actor and veterans advocate Gary Sinise, who we all know and love and respect even more um, because of his involvement um, with and for veterans. And so he, is he somehow is his voice uh, part of this piece? Yeah. So Gary, as you said, he's our narrator. So not only his voice, but his likeness, he will actually begin the show by virtually uh, walking out onto a stage and, and greeting uh, the audience. And and he really stitched together uh, the narrative of the show as we go between different scenes and, and introduce different letter writers and share their personal experiences. And and as you said, he is an incredible uh, patriot, an incredible American. I think few have done uh, as much for our active duty military the veteran community and first responders as, as Gary and his, his foundation. That's fantastic. And, you know, it's kind of like when you watch one of those Ken Burns uh, documentaries about the war, you feel so drawn in because you're hearing the words of letters that were written by actual soldiers and people at home waiting for them in different voices and things like that. It sounds like this is going to be a little akin to that, just in terms of really seeing the personal side, too, of of what the men and women went through during wartime in World War II. Uh, is, is that part of it as well? That's right. That's exactly right. And I think what makes this even a little bit different for us is, you know, we have used a lot of oral history content in our exhibits over the years. These are interviews that are shot decades after the war, but expression sources material that was written during the war, often when the, the writer did not know the outcome of the war or or the circumstances of a loved one. So whether it was, you know, talking about enlisting, being in combat, working on the home front, or just yearning uh, to hear back from a loved one that's serving overseas. There's a, a vulnerability, there's a, a tension, um, and, and an in-the-moment feeling to this. It's it's really amazing, and it's really just a, a window into what it was like to have lived through this uh, from the perspective of of people who were involved in very different ways. Yes, it must be very moving. I can only imagine. I think it's also wonderful uh, to think of the fact it's being presented by the Bob and Dolores Hope Foundation, um, Expressions of America, this new exhibit. Um, he was so involved, wasn't he, with, with our troops? And it makes all the sense in the world that that they are a part of this. Uh, absolutely. Um, it was actually, you know, this all started with a dinner conversation in New York City. 
with Linda Hope, Bob's daughter, and they were looking for an innovative way to introduce Bob to a new generation of Americans. And they signed on to expressions uh, early on. And I think, you know, you could make a great argument that Bob Hope is the most significant entertainer uh, of the 20th century and performed mm-hmm. for over 11 million troops over 50 years. And, uh, you know, during World War II was putting himself in harm's way to do it. So he will be one of the individuals uh, that you will meet uh, during Expressions of America. Oh, it's just exciting. Gives me goosebumps. And yes, he was somebody I, people from all facets of life and all sides of the spectrum could agree on. Bob Hope was for sure. And his beloved wife. Well, um, tell us just a little bit more how it's in New Orleans. And this is downtown New Orleans, right? So are you getting people from all over the country now making that a destination for more than just Mardi Gras? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We are downtown New Orleans, just a few blocks from the French Quarter, a few blocks from the convention center. Uh, We are a national destination attraction now. We've had nearly 9 million visitors uh, walk through our doors. A majority of those folks are coming from outside of the, the state of Louisiana. So, you know, this is the place that tells the story of America's experience in World War II. You know, this big epic story that changed our country and, and changed the world. And, and we're very proud to be uh, here in New Orleans doing that. It sounds so exciting and well worth a visit. Um, just even if just for that to, to experience it and then to see expressions of America dot, uh, that at nighttime with this whole brand new wonderful exhibit, which is multifaceted in so many ways. And I really think that, um, this is going to introduce a, a, a much younger generation into what it means because, you know, there, I think there's only 167,000 right. World War II vets left. I mean, that sounds like it's a lot, but not really, if you think about it. And we never want anyone to forget um, what that war uh, was for the world and the people who were uh, part of it and, and brought us through it, um, what it means in, on just so many levels. Uh, where can people go to find out more information or to buy tickets? Uh, all of the information is available on our website. You can go to national www2 museum.org and you can find out about everything we have at the museum and of course uh, get your tickets to Expressions of America as well expressionsofamerica.org also an incredible thing well thank you so much CEO and and uh, museum president of the World War II Museum uh, so exciting and congratulations on pulling off this incredible feat of getting this new exhibit that's going to really truly educate a lot of people thank you so much for being on the way home today Thank you, Laura. Uh, Come see us. I will. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Laura Smith, and here's a minute of purpose, improving your life 60 seconds at a time. What's the secret of living to 100 or more? Researchers are finding it in something called a blue zone. These areas around the world boast populations who live really long lives. Some blue zones include Sardinia, Italy, Okinawa, Japan, and Loma Linda in California. So what are the health factors these folks have in common? For starters, they primarily eat a plant-based diet. Beef doesn't play a big role. Blue zoners walk everywhere. Typical geography in these places includes plenty of hills, so folks are getting their steps in on an incline. A strong sense of community also plays a role in their longevity. Loneliness is a huge cause of death in old age. Blue Zoners stay engaged with the folks around them. 
So, if you want to live a longer, healthier life, get in the zone. This has been a minute of purpose. Find more at nowwithpurpose.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. I have a guest today, Naveen Elwaraki. She's the global consumer goods lead at Accenture Song. And she's going to tell us about five distinct ways that companies are on the path towards life centricity. I want to know what that means because it absolutely, apparently has everything to do with the growth within each company and how we as customers uh, also uh, play in terms of, um, you know, being the customer of, of any particular company. We want to know how this is changing things. What is life centricity, Naveen? Um, life centricity is a description we're using to talk about how people have changed the way they, they make decisions in the past few years. Um, we've often talked about customer centricity in the past, and we genuinely believe it's evolved to be much more around life centricity, i.e. thinking about you know people as people, not just as customers or consumers or walking wallets even, thinking of them in the fullness of their lives and understanding that sometimes they make conflicting decisions that appear paradoxical at times. But um, given the environment we're all living in right now, post-pandemic with the macroeconomic climate, um, the choices that people make have changed fundamentally. So does this have anything to do with what we used to call um, company culture or anything like that? Or is, is this more focused on what we can do as a company to to understand um, ways to grow within that so that we can do bigger and better things? It's very much culture would be one of the areas we look at, but there, we, we've developed five strategies, uh, which we're calling the life centricity playbook in order for companies to be able to respond to that change that we're, we're talking about. Um, the change that we're seeing externally, really, in the way how people behave and the way they interact with brands and services means that companies need to respond appropriately. Okay, so um, there are five of them. And I, I would love to hear sort of your your nugget uh, down to the bite size explanation of them so, so that we can understand them, the, the five different uh, keys. Sure. The, the five, I think you'll be, you won't be surprised to hear that the very first one is around gaining uh, a genuine and profound understanding of people in the fullness of their, of their lives. So just understanding, even if you think you know your customer, reacquaint yourself, understand how they've changed, how their values have changed, and therefore how they're making decisions differently now. And that's the basis for any change you might want to adopt or any strategy you want, might want to adopt. Uh, once you've done that, you can genuinely start thinking about broadening how you create value for customers and for the company, much more beyond financial value. What else can you be offering them to meet their needs and their changing set of values? Um, and in doing so, think about how you can expand or transcend industry boundaries. What I mean by that is that think about the traditional way you've delivered the brand or service in your industry for years and how else you could be doing it. Is there an, a, you know, an adjacent industry that you could borrow from? Is there something more you can think about differently? Can you offer a service around it to meet people's needs? And once you've, you've done that, then it's about creating this delightful experience continuum. And we use the word continuum because we don't think people should be focused on sporadic touch points and thinking about, you know, delightful experiences at the point in time. It should be a continuum so that you continue building a two-way relationship with the customer. And then the last strategy in the playbook is one that's often underrated, but I think is really critical. And 
and touches on your point earlier around culture, Laura. So we talk about building a fluid operation across functions, but what that means is that you need to break the silos between the functions in an organization. Um, you need to think about how you take people with you on the journey. You need to, uh, to uh, think about how you um, sort of facilitate a delivery at pace of everything we've described before. So your employees are just as important as your customers in delivering your growth. So yeah, it's the fifth and 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 um, I think underrated, but a very important strategy. Well, it almost sounds to me like it's just really focusing on the human um, and not just the bottom line, you know, which traditionally in, in business, you know, if it's if it's not reaching those goals, then it's not succeeding. But this seems to me like it's trying to pull in and, and take into consideration the lives, therefore being life centric, the lives of the people within the company and without as well. But it's I, I read that this survey that basically or a report that Accenture did finds that um, 95% of companies are saying that their customer base is changing faster than they can change their actual company, everything, you know, the way they do things, the way they present it, the way they sell. Um, so how do, how do you fill that gap when, when things are changing just so quickly? Well, I think the, the way, first of all, I love your use of the term human because I think that's right. That's absolutely at the center of everything we're, we're proposing here. Um, but I think understanding, therefore, that human, whether it's internally or externally, um, is, is a critical starting point for filling that gap. And you can't just adopt one of these strategies. Um, and we haven't seen many people adopting all of them, to be fair, but we've seen companies adopt two or three of them and really begin that journey towards life centricity. So think about it, because in reality, if, if people don't, then chances are that their growth will be um, and sort of will shrink rather than actually deliver genuine growth. And regardless of what's going out in the world, both uh, politically and socially and civically and all these things, um, still maintaining a focus on on the human aspect, as you said, it sounds to be as though that's a, a great point of departure for for companies to, to grow. And and we will all want to grow, no matter what's going on in the world. Our companies need to grow, and and our society does as well. Thank you so much, Naveen Elwarki, Global Consumer Goods Lead at Accenture Song. I appreciate you uh, giving us these five five profound understandings of about, about how to grow within a company and beyond. Thank you very much for having me, Laura. You're listening to the Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, it wouldn't be The Way Home unless we had some really good news and good news stories to give you to get you started into your week. And for that, we turn to our guru of good news. Not easy to say. Jim Cleefield, what do you have for us? I know you've been finding great stories uh, for the last several weeks, and we kind of did a lot of talking and didn't get to all of them. So I know you have some left. Yes. And there's uh, one uh, I want to mention. I know there's been a lot of buzz about Damar Hamlin. I got to say that uh, the outpouring of love for the charity that he started, this toy drive in his home state of Pennsylvania, chasing the Ems Foundation after the what we heard on Monday Night Football, the, just the outpouring of love. The goal was $2,500 to raise money for that. It has exploded to the millions of dollars, not only just from 
average donors on GoFundMe, but all the NFL teams have been helping out. Everybody has been pouring out their help and love for him uh, as a human being, not just as an NFL player. And what's also nice is that one of his former teammates of the Minnesota Vikings, defensive lineman Harrison Phillips, you know what he did? He went a step further than that. While he's being treated, DeMar Hamlin at UC Medical Center, uh, Phillips decided to deliver some dinner to his family and the wonderful doctors and nurses who are helping him uh, do do much better. And in fact, he is getting much better as we speak. And just everybody's just coalescing together. And you know what's the nice thing? He's showing improvement. And he wrote something on a piece of paper for his doctors asking if his team won the game. He had no idea what had happened, that the game was postponed. It did not get resumed. The doctor said, you won. You won the game of life. That was it. Yeah, pretty. It's just been incredible. I think on so many different levels, it's been incredible because not only have we seen the entire country come together around a specific person and an idea of, you know, love, somebody who puts good out into the world. It just happened so effortlessly. Well, effortlessly. I mean, it took what happened to um, him to to really bring this out. But it, it there's a universal sense of nothing but love for this person and just wanting to help in any way. When I first, I went to the GoFundMe the night that it happened, Monday night, soon after he was whisked off to the hospital in the ambulance. And yes, I saw that it was up to 20, he wanted $2,500. But as of the time before the accident, it had only raised, I believe it was 600 or $800. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time I got there, just an hour after his injury was reported, it was up to 84000 By Thursday, it was up to 8 million, over 8 million, and it continues to grow. But it just, it just goes to show you that when somebody, like this young man, 24 years old, he put good out into the world. He wanted to help bring toys to children. He also wanted to help his mom's, uh, the daycare uh, that his mom was involved with. And it's just those acts of beautiful acts of just humble kindness that The whole world has united around that. I think if we could all take a lesson from that, whether it be in politics, in professions, in everything else, if we just remember, it's simply the kindness and selflessness um, that most human beings possess, that that is what we can all get around. So it just has been the most inspirational thing. And he has brought out so much love in the world. Wait till he finds out. It's such an incredible story. I think he's going to be okay. But, yes. Oh, we're all, believe me. If if prayers are true petitions, um, I think that he is going to be a hundred percent again because I have never seen so many people collectively pray like that. And truly, we, they had ESPN announcers praying on the air. When have you ever seen that? Well, you might see it on you know one of the. The, the prayerful channels like the 700 Club or something like that. When do you ever see it on a mainstream, you know, ESPN where somebody just stops in the middle of their uh, talking and, and start praying on the air and saying, you know what, I'm sorry if, if this bothers you, but I need to do this. I'm being led to do this right now. And he, he prayed. I, I just was like, I was astounded by it and so grateful to see that he had the courage to do that because truly, that more people are for that than not. And we've got to stop pretending that, 
you know, prayer and believing in God and a higher power is is much more common than it's not. And so uh, I think uh, it's great that the, you know, mainstream media gets in touch with that as well. Beautiful stuff there. Anything else or should we... Yes, if I can get in real quickly. Uh, Happy New Year okay. to this woman, if we can. An 82-year-old woman in Arizona who works at a Walmart. I'll just give you the short Cliff Notes version. $10,000 medical debt, only $50 in the bank. A stranger who came to Walmart, her name is Elizabeth Rizzo. You know what she did? She said she was watching her work, and she's not very uh, very strong. as She was uh, handing on to the shopping cart. She went on TikTok to make a video and raised $130,000, so she pays off her medical bills and will be able to live the rest of her life comfortably. What a wonderful act of kindness by her oh my goodness wow. yeah there you go you see now when people say are people good or are they bad when I, you hear stories like this i in my opinion they are there there are much many more good people than there are the flip side yeah, and i'm sure. i just will forever ever believe that in my soul and i think we are born good people i don't think there is a single soul that is born with anything but the light of God within them. And so on that note, it just brings us hope for the world and uh, definitely courage to go out into another week. Just remembering the goodness, the kindness and the prayers that people have for one another. People they don't even know, but they would they live as though they are one with them. On that note, have a wonderful week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to The Way Home. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Jim. And off we go out into 2023. Godspeed, everyone. We'll see you next time on the way home.